2: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on
3: Tuesday, April 11th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with a large cocaine bust happening in Rankin County, law enforcement is reminding Mississippi residents that drug trafficking continues to be a challenge. And on StoryCorps, tales from the life of a Marine who spent time in Hollywood playing cards with John Wayne. Plus, hear from Jackson State University students and alumni as they unite to honor the memory of two students victimized on the campus in 1970.
4: They have not forgotten what what happened here has no sense unless we not forget and i would never forget what happened here
3: that's all coming up this is mississippi edition on mpv think radio Just last week, Pearl Police seized 125 pounds of cocaine during a traffic stop on Interstate 20. It's a reminder that drug trafficking in and through Mississippi is a constant battle for law enforcement. The Rankin County cocaine bust is the largest cocaine bust on an interstate in the U.S. so far this year. I-20 stretches from Texas to South Carolina. It's a straight path through Dallas and Atlanta for drug runners. Pearl Police Department's Lieutenant John Johnson made the arrest and the, dr- and the huge bust. He tells MPB's Mark Rigsby about the work of the interdiction unit.
5: We got officers made up from Rankin SO, Pearl Police Department, Rankin County District Attorney's Office, and the Madison Police Department to try to stop the flow of illegal contraband being traveled through our interstate systems, through our state.
1: I-20 is known to be uh, a big drug trafficking corridor going from Texas to South Carolina. What are you seeing right
5: now? Oh, uh, we seen pretty much everything when you got weapons being smuggled back west, uh, illegal contraband flowing to the east coast. But you know, we also seeing narcotics coming back westbound from the east coast back towards all cities here in Jackson and far as way as out in Dallas, Texas. Because Atlanta, Georgia is becoming a big hub and they getting the narcotics into there and they redistributing it out back west to other cities.
1: Just recently, you were involved in a very large drug bust, a cocaine bust on I-20. Can you tell us what happened?
5: I made a traffic stop late Saturday night on a 2003 RV for careless driving. Talking to the subject, determined some kind of criminal activity was afoot. Uh, Got consent to search the vehicle from the driver and the only occupant and located approximately 125 pounds of cocaine concealed inside a vehicle that was heading to the east coast. You, you said it was concealed.
1: Where was it in, in the
5: vehicle? Some of it was concealed in the slide-out portion of the RV that slides out. Had the top part concealed up there. rest of it was concealed up under the sink in the re- restroom.
1: What type of effort do the bad guys go through to conceal these drugs so that you don't find them during a routine traffic stop?
5: Great. We have located and concealed in the engines, of vehicles, the gas tanks, the floors, the roofs. Any way they could think of it, hiding it, they're going to hide it. Can you tell me about the person that you arrested? Uh, he was a um, citizen of Texas. He was probably 50 years old, Hispanic male. Are you finding that
1: drug trafficking does not discriminate?
5: It does not. You know, we have caught white people, young, old, all the way up to, I think, the oldest we ever... Encounter was a 72-year-old male. Do you ever encounter a language barrier? Sometimes. Majority of officers on our unit is not fluent in Spanish. We have the basic command in Spanish to get us through our traffic stops. But sometimes, yes, sir.
1: Did he tell you what what he was doing?
5: Uh, no, sir. Uh, he decided to exercise his rights at the time and not answer any questions due to what he said his family. He didn't want his family to be killed. You get it. A kilo of cocaine in Atlanta, Georgia, for about 30,000, 40,000 a kilo. And it was approximately 56.7 kilograms. You're looking at over a million dollars worth of contraband that the cartels lost.
1: This sounds like dangerous work.
5: Yes, sir. Very. We have several interdiction officers across this country that gave their life to stop the flow of the contraband. On the interstate systems. How
1: easy is it to transport drugs through the interstate?
5: All you gotta do is get out there and look at the flow of traffic any given day on the interstate, see how many vehicles that travel through our state, and you can see how easy it'd be. What would tip you off? We get out there and work aggressive traffic enforcement, and through our training, when we conduct a traffic stop, we pick up any type of criminal behavior. That's when we take it a little next step. It called looking beyond the traffic stop. And, you know, we see nervous behavior, conflicting statements. Then we sort of ask ourselves, why is this person being this nervous on just a regular traffic stop? And what did you see the other night? Oh, he made several conflicting statements to myself and another officer that was on scene. Extreme nervousness, you know. So he he gave all the behaviors that we have been trained to look for involving criminal activity.
1: Is 125 pounds of cocaine a lot of cocaine?
5: So far as this year, that was the largest cocaine seizure on the interstate system across the whole United States.
1: Is this just the drop in the bucket or is this a significant seizure?
5: That's a significant seizure, but, you know, you got uh, vehicles, tractor-trailers, any other kind of vehicle. If you're a standing member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate this.
1: So, when you compare cocaine to other types of drugs that you're seizing on I 20 from drug traffickers,
5: how does it compare? Oh, uh, we have seen a very significant increase in methamphetamine seizures. And uh, just this year alone, I think we got four significant amounts of seizures, just including methamphetamine. Why meth? Why, why is meth such a big problem now? Easily make. And it's very addictive. Is
1: there that much demand for it? Yes, sir. all over the state, just increased. Thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for being on the program. Thank you.
3: Pearl Police Department's Lieutenant John Johnson with MPB's Mark Rigsby. Police say it was the largest cocaine bust on an interstate in the U.S. this year. The Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics says they were involved in 2,300 drug cases and 1,300 arrests statewide last year. Lieutenant Brian McCarity, director of public affairs for the city of Pearl, says meth is a big problem.
2: That's huge. Just because you don't know of the destination of the drugs... Um, And then also its origin as well. The the investigators do a great job of of screening that material once they are apprehended and and the suspect and getting clues to hopefully ultimately, uh, you know, put that particular organization out of business or at least uh, reduce the amount of trafficking it can
1: do. How frequent does your department get involved in major drug seizures and arrests on the interstate?
2: I would say that it's not uncommon to get notifications anywhere between two to three times a week of some form of seizure. Now, it may not be a actual 125-pound load like this, but rather uh, a truck or vehicle that has a compartment in it or that uh, the violator has had previous trafficking history. Uh, sometimes these guys, too, see episodes of now a lot of the money is being put on gift cards or other forms of uh, more transportable items so that uh you know it's not something as easy as packaging a, or, or packing a vehicle anymore or, or breaking a vehicle down into compartments uh, the cash currency could actually flow be actually a form of a piece of plastic
1: talk about for a moment the i-20 corridor going from texas to south carolina and how it's used to traffic drugs
2: 20 is just a very hot area or has been in the past i know there's been studies done where it looks as though that trafficking may be going other directions now but uh that that corridor through there i do understand it to be a very hot corner and our evidence you know as far as our statistics that we pull off there is uh i think will reflect that
1: how dangerous and how challenging is it for the officers here in pearl to do this type of work
2: well, you know, obviously, if you've ever dealt with anyone under the influence of any drug, it's a risk. Um, but then you factor in that dangerous aspects of uh, meth and, and, and some of the behaviors you see what, with people that are addicted to that or that simply um, are on it or have possessed it. Uh, officers and a lot of times find themselves dealing in situations that are very violent. Um, a lot of times they um, – I think that when they're under the influence of meth – it's hard to predict any type of human behavior because you never know what they're going to do. Uh, in a lot of cases, some of the meth carriers are also known to carry other high-end weapons. So that, too, plays a factor in what the officer is dealing with, not just the drug, but what components that person may carry to protect himself because even he doesn't know the limits that that drug can place on them. Thank you very much for being on the program today. We do appreciate your time. Yes, sir. Thank you.
3: Pearl Police Lieutenant Brian McGarrity with our Mark Rigsby. MBN says there were 97 drug overdose deaths last year. Coming up in StoryCorps, a Marine who went to Hollywood and played cards with John Wayne. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org.
0: We are more than halfway to receiving the 300 applications needed to get an MPB car tag. MPB needs less than 130 more people to sign up. We know you can help make this happen. All it takes is a one-year commitment of $31. This is another way you can help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Sign up at mpbonline.org slash cartag.
6: If you have a vehicle that you no longer need and is collecting dust, we have a solution. Donate it to MPB. Your donation will go towards supporting your favorite programs that keep the community informed. To get more information about our car donation program, call us at 877-MPB-4-CAR or visit mpbonline.org slash support. Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy Series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio.
1: Caver was a Marine sniper during World War II, but when he stopped by the StoryCorps mobile tour in Mississippi, he had more than battle on his mind. He also talked about the chance he had to rub shoulders with a
7: bona fide star. We had gathered as a battalion. Our colonel said, I have an announcement, men. I have just had a directive from RKO studio, that's an old movie studio in Hollywood. They are making a movie, and they want possibly as many as 80 Marines to demonstrate a landing, and we would like to know if I can get at least 80 of you to volunteer. I think every man's hand in the battalion went up, Well, he said, that's exactly what I expected of you. And uh, I was one of the few selected to go to uh, Hollywood. And this movie was John Wayne, Anthony Quinn, and a lovely little lady named Beulah Bondi. Back to Batan was the name of the movie. And it was really enjoyable to me. One day, maybe we were waiting for the light to get better, or whatever. I was just sort of walking around. I heard this voice. Hey, son. I knew it was John Wayne. I hadn't met him up until that time. I looked and I said, yes, sir. He said, do not serve me, okay? Do you play bridge, son? I said, yes, I do. We need a an extra over here. We have three and we need someone to every day, well, possibly not every day, but most of the time we were there shooting that movie. If something wasn't going on of interest and John Wayne and group was sitting around, he'd send someone to get me, find me, and and so I spent a good number of days playing bridge with John Wayne, which was quite an experience. I learned to respect that man a great deal. No comment about Anthony Quinn. I did respect John Wayne a great deal.
8: What was he like in person?
7: Well, he was genuine is probably the most descriptive word. He was genuine. I learned very quickly if he said something to you, that was the way it was going to be. I remember answering the first question he asked me, which I don't remember the question, but I said, yes, sir. And he said, don't call me sir. I said, OK, Mr. Wayne, don't call me Mr. Wayne. I'm Duke. OK, Duke. So from then on, it was Duke Wayne quite a remarkable man. At the, uh, at the end of the Okinawa campaign, someone had uh, somehow found a John Wayne movie and built the screen and we were sitting, I was sitting on my helmet watching this John Wayne movie and all at once the screen would just shot full of holes. Well, I, in about 30 seconds, I had dug down probably almost two feet, but realized that it was one of our own people who had been in his tent listening to the radio. And the announcement had come, the war in the Pacific was over. This guy just grabbed his BAR and started shooting at the screen. To hear more of our
1: conversations from the
7: StoryCorps Mobile Tour, go to
1: mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps Mobile Tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state in worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi.
6: You're listening to MPB Think Radio.
0: We are more than halfway to receiving the 300 applications needed to get an MPB car tag. MPB needs less than 130 more people to sign up. We know you can help make this happen. All it takes is a one-year commitment of $31. This is another way you can help MPB continue to educate, inform and entertain Mississippians. Sign up at mpbonline.org slash cartag.
6: Hi, I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Join me each Tuesday for Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Each week we explore issues that relate to you and your family, from mental obstacles to family interaction, from depression to handling life's disruptions, discovering things that make you happy, or how to get around things keeping you from your happiness. I want to hear what's going on in your life. Relatively Speaking, part of the Daily Southern Remedy series, this morning at 11 on MPB Think
0: Radio. Practical advice for a local politician who has just taken the oath.
4: When you go to the grocery store, buy your frozen food last. Okay. Because people are going to stop you in the aisles and they're going to want to talk to you and
6: your food will melt.
0: I'm Audie Cornish, passing on the wisdom learned in the trenches of city council this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News.
6: Today at
1: 4 on NPB Think Radio.
3: Students and alumni of Jackson State University are stressing the importance of remembering historic 1970 campus attacks. On May fourteenth, nineteen 1970, 21-year-old Jackson State student Philip Gibbs and 17-year-old Jim Hill High School student James Green were killed in a protest involving police, students, and white harassers. At the time of the attacks, observers say white motorists drove through campus on Lynch Street and harassed Students leading to the protests. JSU alum James Lapp Baker was a student at the time of the attack. He tells MPB's Alexis Ware it's important for this generation to know what happened.
4: I'm here because I was here 47 years ago when the shooting occurred here. I was 10 yards away from the shooting. And I was, um, that was my class, a uh, class of 1970. And I, I'm also here because I've, have been and still am uh, disturbed because of what happened then. And I always tell people, and I used to tell my students, that history has a a way of repeating itself. So we have to be very careful, but we can't forget history. There are a lot of students that they don't know what happened here. That's bad. That's an old saying, lest we not forget. And I would never forget what happened here.
8: Why is it important to you for the students to continue to remember?
4: Because it's part of them. Whether they know it or not, it's part of their history. They are attending school on history because of what happened here.
8: So can you tell me what was it like being here the day that that happened?
4: Well, first of all, you had some rocks and bottle throwing you know, from the students to white motorists who were passing through because they had initiated um, the throwing and uh, using the N-word. But at the same time, on May 14th, everybody that night were just laying around, enjoying themselves, not making any noise, on both sides of the campus. And here comes uh, law enforcement officers, city police officers, and highway patrolmen marching up. They came up for a reason.
8: What were the protests that day? Well... We had
4: veterans here who had been in Vietnam. My brother was one of those vets. We had uh, people here who were in school who had been uh, in Vietnam, but they told us all about Vietnam, okay? So it wasn't like we were protesting uh, the Vietnam Wall. No, we were protesting white motorists coming through this doggone campus on Lynch Street Hollering out the N-word, throwing bottles and bricks and rocks, and even hitting students with their cars. That's what we were protesting, more than anything.
8: So how do you feel now, seeing that it's bricked off and a lot of students congregate here? How does that feel for you?
4: It's okay to a certain extent. This plaza should be respected. But see, the only way you're going to respect the plaza and anything else is that you know why it's there. You have to know the history.
8: What more do you think can be done to make sure that they do know the history?
4: The instructors, the professors, the administration, and everybody else, and even the students who know about this should be talking with other students to let them know what happened on this campus on May 14th and
8: 15th. Thank you so much for speaking with me. You're very
3: welcome. The area where the shooting took place is now a central walkway for students called the plaza. Members of the Jackson State community came together Monday to memorialize Gibbs and Green. The construction of the plaza prevents vehicles from passing through the center of the campus. Camelia Walker is a junior math major at Jackson State University. She tells our Alexis Ware, it's good for students to know the meaning behind the plaza they use every day.
8: I think that it's very important for us to know the events that took place 47 years ago because we need to actually understand why this came about. Why did the plaza come about? Why is it titled Gibbs Green Plaza? Who are those two individuals? We walk up and down this plaza every day just thinking it's a walkway, a time to mingle with friends or schoolmates, but it's a reason it came about. We still can see the bullet prints that are on the building. So we need to know what actually took place. Those are not just prints that took place because of the contractors, you know. Those are not things that, you know, you just threw a rock and it happened there. Those are actually memories and we should appreciate that because due to this walkway being formed, that won't take place again. So how does that feel knowing that this happened on your campus? We have another reason to be thankful that we're here and another reason to reflect back on why it's important to know why we here and another reason to know because that took place here we can appreciate life more we can appreciate each other more so i'm not sure if i have a feeling i just have a different respect level for it
3: the memorial marked 47 years since the event Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks, then at 10 in legal terms. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. If you missed part of the show today, you can find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University
2: of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More information at education.org.